You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. For this episode, we'll be talking about Joy Division Closer. On the line, I have Rob. It's pronounced Closer. Ben. <laughs> this is Boy. <laughs> and Kyle. Hi there. <laughs> Closer is the second and final studio album by the English rock band Joy Division, released on the 18th of July, 1980 by Factory Records. The producer was Martin Hannett, and the genre is post-punk and goth rock. And I'm going to read from the book, Martin Bennett. After 25 years, it is almost impossible to separate the unsettling atmosphere of Joy Division's music from the disintegration of its singer's personality and sudden death. While their 1979 debut, Unknown Pleasures, peered into a terrifying abyss, it was still just music. Not so with with Closer. Compared to its violent, more conventional predecessor, Closer is a quantum leap. The songs stray far from the punk-inspired template of the band's early years where much of the dark atmosphere of unknown pleasures came from producer Martin Hannett's revolutionary use of digital effects. Here, the music itself is alien. The addition of synthesizers, notably on Isolation and Heart and Soul, hints that had the band continued with Curtis, they might still have ended up with sounding like New Order. The ambience Hannett creates here is is practically an instrument itself. While it once provided a dark background for the band's assault, his trademark reverb and delay treatments are now part of the skeleton songs, somehow rendering them all the more stark. But it is on the final three songs, the desperate 24 hours and the uh, defeated, the eternal and decades where with hindsight, one can clearly see the boundaries between Curtis's personal torments and his bleak lyrical Themes no longer existed. The cover's gravestone design may have been an unfortunate coincidence as it was decided upon long before Curtis's death, but it's hard not to interpret this grim full stop as an, an album as anything other than a suicide note. All right, what do we think of Joy Division's Closer? A towering masterpiece. Yeah, some, uh, some bleak goodness. Yeah. First listen. What do you think on a first listen? Well, by by the end of by the end of the week of my first listen, I'm really into it. Yeah, my very first listen, I think I preferred Unknown Pleasures, mm-hmm. but uh, this album really grew on me over the week. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a interesting experimental idea that happens. I I, I feel you. I was the same way when I started listening to Joy Division. I thought, oh, Unknown Pleasures, it's where it's at, right? Or the sort of like this post-punk, it, it reminded me of Gang of Four, it reminded me of this angular, you know, sort of stark instruments, kind of bouncy, 
rock and roll with a little goth tinge, this one just sort of moves into this different space. It's more into that cure darkness, but it has all these electronic little flourishes that, that feel right for it for some reason. Yeah. I, I think I mentioned this uh, during the unknown pleasures record, but um, I had two CDs. I had one like live uh, joy division CD where they were playing this show and all their instruments just kind of disintegrated. Everything just kind of went out by the end. It was just like vocals and drums. I think mm-hmm. why they, uh, why they released that because there weren't a lot of like good recordings of them. Oh, and it was, okay. I mean, if you listen to it, you know, um, and then there was like a sort of, I don't want to say best of, but, you know, if you pick up these two albums, you're not going to get the singles. You know, you're not going to get Level Terrace Apart. Uh, you're not going to get Dead Souls, you know. Um, and this was the first time I've listened to this album uh, in probably 20 years. And I had to call a friend to check on him. Like, uh, I had a friend who, um, you know, got dumped uh, last fall, you know, during the coronavirus. And had to live in a little apartment by himself and I couldn't go visit him. So I called him, you know, just to make sure he was okay, which I think was just, this album puts you in a headspace. Um, it's intense. I mean, it, unless you were recording the album, then you didn't question anything about the lyrics and then your friend dies. <laughs> you know, it's really easy to, this is a, a, a tough album. No, to talk I, about. I, 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 I kid mostly because I don't think I would have, gotten anything had i been that young and i was dealing with a like you know 23 like what what, why am i not out chasing girls when my friend's sad like you know like well Mm -hmm. why don't you just like cheer up and then you run off and do something and then he hangs himself i'm glad i was never in that position but right yeah man holy shit the eternal that's a dark fucking song the eternal yeah if you just listen to the lyrics holy shit what is is that song about a funeral or a wedding? Because procession could be. Do you do you, do you want to know what that song's about? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got some notes. My first note is, "Dear Lord, this song is bleak." Um, <laughs> but I but I've got a quote. I think it's from the guitarist. Colonel was a, a little Mongol kid who grew up near Ian. Uh, he could never come out of his house. His whole universe was the house. Uh, to the garden wall. Many years later, Ian moved back to uh, his hometown, and by chance, he saw this kid. Uh, Ian had grown up from 5 to 22, but the kid looked the same. His universe was still the house and the garden. Hmm. This album is intense. Um, and it sucks, because I, I feel like it's reductive to kind of, you know, talk about it. You, you know, it was, re- it was released posthumously. Have we mentioned mm-hmm. that? Yeah. yeah. And I I think it's unfair to kind of judge, you know, what's here with what happened before it came out. But it's it's hard to avoid. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. It's one of those scenarios where something happened surrounding an album and it's almost impossible to separate, mainly because of the the sort of goth gothic bleakness of the the sounds that are happening and then obviously something is happening in in real life at the same time not to mention the the cover which you know they said they were very upset with um you know pu- putting this out with that cover i think it um kind of represents a homage or it sort of 
they they got some blowback from some reviewers saying you know in poor taste but i think as a bullshit as a legacy of an album um you know it's i couldn't find a more fitting album i mean having a happy face on here would have almost been more uh offensive to me if uh yeah, if the yeah but that, that that cover was picked before he died like yeah. ian curtis was involved in picking that that cover so like the band keeping the cover they thought that they were you know like doing doing their buddy a solid like this is what he wanted i think that they were doing their buddy a solid yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's, how much it's blowback ridiculous. did they get was this like was this like big news well, a couple thousand copies worth i'm sure right <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they sold over uh, 250,000 copies worldwide. Um, and, well, actually, sorry, that was uh, the single, Love Will Tear Us Apart. Uh, I didn't realize that the, the, their their most famous song was not on any of their albums until this week. Yeah. I just assumed it was going to be on this one. Yeah, you I know? forgot that because yeah. they re-released and that was included in this album. But, obviously, it's not They here. were... They thought that having a single on the record was ripping off the uh, the buyer. Have That's a very buzzcock way to think about it. Oh yeah, no, I mean they, they were dumb. It's a Manchester move. way of thinking. It certainly is. <laughs> it's a speaking of Manchester. It's what a, are the, it's the factory records way? <laughs> I love how you can hear kind of like the seeds of a new order in this record. So like half of this album was recorded in 1979 is more guitar heavy. And then the other half is was recorded in like 1980, I guess. And is the, is, are the songs like with the, with the synth on it. And I think that's cool. And they almost, it's, it is almost split up side A, side B uh, because the, the earlier recorded songs, the guitar, the guitar songs, are Atrocity, Exhibition, Passover, Colony, A Means to an End, and 24 Hours. Uh-huh. So all of those songs except 24 Hours are side one. So just like swap 24 Hours for Isolation, and you've got all the guitar tracks on side one and all the synth tracks on side two. Mm-hmm. Was the synth something they brought in, or was that just at that studio? It has, it has to be something they brought in. I mean... Sorry, I... I barely. Well, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine did. they were writing this I that just, the <laughs> guitarist got to the studio and saw a keyboard and was like, "Fuck this guitar, instead, though." <laughs> yeah. like, well, it kind of sounds like it. It's not played well. It's <laughs> 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 fair. Oh, my bad. <laughs> it's it's a shitty sound. It's a it's a cool lick, but like, oh my god, what's happening? <laughs> oh, what, what do you mean? What's happening? I'm just. I'm. I get what I get. What you're saying, Rob. I'm just saying my truth. It doesn't sound like someone who <sighs> spent hundreds of hours developing their synth tone. Absolutely not. And, and it doesn't have to. Um, no. Like, it's cool that it's in, but like, it's very rudimentary. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, 
they did say that the prominent, you know, use of synthesizer and the songs were written and structured during jam sessions in the band's practice room. So they were using the synthesizers. It wasn't something that happened to be, you know, they just spawned upon upon them to start using it. But I do think it is a new instrument for them. And they are, yeah, maybe not the most adept at creating the most intricate sounds that other bands had maybe uh, had maybe figured out. I want to know more about what you guys think about the production because that's always the the topic let's, of. Let's talk about the production. Yeah. yeah so so this is uh, Martin Hannett, who is the same person who did uh, uh, Unknown Pleasures, and you know Unknown Pleasures was both a landmark album in in this type of production in like in this like ambiance like gothic production and peter case and uh and bernard uh uh summer sumner uh didn't like it at all you know and then and then and then you know but then like everyone else in the world that listened to unknown pleasures did like it and started bands this guy this time they've got the same guy behind the uh the board once again peter case and bernard sumner hate the production on this album and everyone else considers it a classic. So I, I guess they, I would, I don't know who produced the new order albums, but maybe I would, uh, I would imagine that what they want an album to sound like is new order because that's what they do. <laughs> you know, All the, uh, the digital effects that uh, Martin Hanna was using the uh, Manchester time waster. I think. <laughs> was that like the 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 uh the delay pedal or something yeah <laughs> yeah i i find it interesting fantastic on this that yeah, they, went, yeah. they went back and they said yeah we didn't like your first thing let's go ahead and do the second album with you as well because it because it was so successful it was so successful uh and like oh we don't like this either it'll probably be really successful <laughs> Was Martin Hannon still doing the thing where he made the drummer like isolate every single like drum and yep. like yep. this yep. one beat? Like, yeah. so it's <laughs> you got to do the snare on the on the top of Man, the roof. That. You got to yeah. do yep. one symbol at a time. You got it. Yeah. Kind yeah. of a crazy, <laughs> crazy guy. Uh, but obviously his production is is ahead of its time. I mean, yeah. And again, this. This is one of those records. If you're not listen, like if you haven't listened to it with really nice headphones, like you're missing out on a lot of the shit that's happening. Like it's yeah, it's crazy. Just for example, isolation, uh, the the meat of which is a sort of a drum machine track that Hannah cranked in uh, the mix through sort of a a flange effect through a synth. And then he got uh, Steve to overdub the drums so they were separate. Separate. Uh, Hook explains in Unknown Pleasures, he used the drums to trigger his synth, which was ahead of its time. He uses, you know, those drums to trigger a synth. Weird stuff. Just completely, you know, new things that they were inventing in the studio for, for these different things. It feels really like a... You know, if I were to draw parallels back in time from Joy Division, it feels like they're almost one of those, like a Roxy Music or, you know, one of those other bands, Devo, uh, 
the, some of those other bands that were like just doing weird experiments, craft work, yeah, and, uh, and and trying trying new things, but also keeping it very very simple, very rock forward. I realized just now that I said Peter Case when I meant to say Peter Hook. Peter Case was in yeah. the Nerves and not Joy Division, so. Peter Case had no problems with Martin Hannett's production of <laughs> uh, of Closer. Only Peter <laughs> no, Hook. Only Peter. Somebody Huck. is <laughs> somebody is slowly hitting the backspace on their mean comment <laughs> <laughs> on the website. I'm sure I so, do it all the time. I'm just glad I can catch it before we cut. You know. <laughs> so this album, uh, when I was doing research for it, I learned a new word: stentorian. What's that mean? Uh, stentorian means. Uh, of a person's voice, loud and powerful. Hmm. Hmm. I like that. Okay. Yeah. Stentorian. Stent- Kyle, you, you you have a stentorian voice. Uh, mother, I tried. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing the best that I can. That's stentorian. So you're saying. Very centorian. A, a, a Manchester boy's best impression of Frank Sinatra. Who's who's the Manchester so, boy in this? Uh, that'd be Is Ian Curtis. Ian Curtis. Ian Curtis. Yes. I, so I by, suppose. So by centaurian, can you deduce that it is sounding like a centaur? Stentorian, not centaur. Centaur yeah. sounds <laughs> like like this. The centaur. The dick is by the back legs, not the front legs. <laughs> <laughs> Could me. <laughs> Can we move on from uh, the centaurs? I've seen some centaur erotic art that gets it way wrong. <laughs> so I learned a fun fact about the uh, the bass tone in this band. He plays up in that range because the head he had, cabinet he had, like the lower notes were just muddy and shitty. So the whole hmm. like playing up on the neck thing was because it sounded bad playing lower notes. Uh, oh, I, so it's it's that. an ac- it's an accidental style, uh, which is fucking cool. Necessity yeah. is the mother of invention. That's really interesting. I've played I've played through cabinets like that, where it, you have to kind of readjust your playing because <clears throat> mainly it's due to not having enough power, enough like amperage to to get to produce yep. the low tones. <laughs> uh, I've got, but yeah, this is a cool style. That's a very. I've got two follow-up questions. Uh, the first would be, at this point of his career, can't he get a nicer head? And my no. second question, follow-up question would be, does his style change much in New Order? Because by New Order days, he can have any head he wants. They're, they're making radio hits. Can I be perfectly honest with you? Yes. I haven't listened to enough New Order to know. Rob, I, no. It's, it's been, it's been Kyle, years yes. for me. I... I, I <laughs> When we when we get to New Order in the book, it's going to be revisiting after years and years for me. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm going to. Well, go that should be wild. in the next. Uh, yeah. One is the their first one. Like they they did not take any time off once uh, Ian Curtis died. They went. Yeah. Started writing more stuff. And good for them. I, I should know this, but I don't. Yeah, who who takes them. up the vocal duties? Who sings in New Order? Uh, Anyone know? I don't I think. think. Is that Sumner Bernard Sumner? I'm not uh, a New Order fan. Asking what? The wrong person. Uh-oh. Nope. Uh-oh. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> Birch, no. 
I just have never more of a human never, league guy. I've never the number dived one in. selling ten inch of all time. I've never dived in. Sorry, guys. is it really? Yeah. Wait, uh, what? What was their ten inch? How does it feel? Oh, Blue Monday. Blue Monday. Yeah, it's the number one selling. Was yeah. it released as a ten inch though? Yes. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it's also the most. Uh, Kyle, did you say it's the most expensive ten inch of all time? No, I didn't. But is it? What? How can that be? The packaging that they used for that thing that they didn't know was going to sell so hot. Yeah, they they absolutely lo- they lost money on, on the packaging. We'll talk oh about God. that. Though. Okay, all right. I'm yeah. sure we will. I'm sure we will. Let's yeah. Put that in the pocket. We'll put a pin in this yeah. new order discussion for a, a few weeks at least. <laughs> factory Factory Records, not a not a smart, uh, not, not a forward thinking label. Can I tell you who who the the producer is on the first uh, new order album is? Is it I Martin would love to know. It's Martin Hannett. <laughs> <laughs> they said, what? They're just, they're, I guess that he keeps on delivering successful albums, but they're just gluttons for albums that they don't personally like, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once they get to 83, they produce it themselves, but I thought that was uh, pretty that, amazing. That's really funny. <laughs> I assumed that it, that if, if, Peter Hook and Bernard Sumner weren't into Martin Hannis production that Ian Curtis was the reason he kept on coming around. But if they still go to him without him, Yeah, what what makes this album so? What makes this like the goth album, the goth rock album? I mean, if you if you conjure in your head like what is a an iconic goth record, you you can't make up anything more than this. I mean, it's it's got the sound and the backstory. Yeah, it's if you put a black light on and a cape, this is the <laughs> album that is conjured. There's a crypt on the front. Yeah. Um. <laughs> heckin goth yeah if you if you went to the goth store in the mall this would be like the number one selling blacklight poster like it's iconic yeah and the production that sort of echo big echo i mean it sounds like a cave it sounds like they're always playing in a cave i think is really what does it uh even the the Cure albums, I feel like, are a little more upfront. This one sounds like they're playing in a warehouse to no one. Fun fact: it was a mausoleum. That's a very fun fact. No, that uh, that was a, a lie. It was not a. Okay. They did not record this in a mausoleum. But it sounds like they could have, right? That's a, like, sad, that's a sad fact. Sad fact: uh, a uh, mausoleum of the soul. <laughs> sad lie. It's a sad. This lie. was recorded in a mausoleum. <laughs> <laughs> Neither fun nor fact. <laughs> <laughs> sad lie. I'll try to come up with weekly sad lies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but seriously, uh, phone, phone a friend. This is a hard time for everybody. Yeah, it really is. Seriously, this definitely is. put put me on in a in a mood uh, listening yeah, to it this week. Yeah. It just, uh, I don't know. It's 
it's got that goth element to it, but it, I didn't feel depressed. I just felt like it was, it's very moody. It still has rock. So it doesn't, it didn't really depress me. It just kind of, uh, it floats in unexpectedly. Kind it's, of it's the double apart. punch. Yeah. It's the last two songs. Absolutely. Like, the last two songs, like it lulls you in and then you, you hear those last two songs and you're like, well, <laughs> time to hit the dusty old trail. You know? The pop the collar on my large raincoat and go walk around in the rain for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Thank right you. around the time uh, I got into this band, I had a freak seizure while I was driving. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. And then I couldn't drive for a while. And I listened to a lot of... Uh, from Taco Bell. It was from Taco Bell. Yeah, I was heading home from Taco Bell. Taco Bell gave... What, what, was, playing, what was playing in the tape deck? Oh, God. Probably, probably Pink Floyd's Animals. But, like... <laughs> yeah. I got into this band. I was like, whoa, seizures are intense. And that happened when I was driving. And I couldn't drive for, like, a while. I feel that. Yeah. I remember visiting you in the hospital. Twenty years ago, that was super scary. Oh, thanks, Rob. <laughs> thanks for being there for me. Were you in the car by yourself, hey, Kyle? Love you, buddy. No, I was um, with my girlfriend, who was just wondering. Uh, I wonder what happens when people are in an emergency and they're driving and there's fast food in the car because she ate the Taco Bell afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Got to keep your strength up, man. I can't blame her. <laughs> if if I had cold Taco Bell and the other option is hospital food, I'm eating that cold Taco Bell. She could have at least like pushed a burrito into my mouth when I was, <laughs> you know, in the she, hospital bed. Oh, she ate your Taco Bell. Of course she did. Oh, story of I my life. You were going to say swallowing your tongue to push a burrito. <laughs> <in your mouth. laughs> well, I'm glad we could um, make this a little more uh, comical. <laughs> Uh, do I need to go around the room? Is everybody? I'm on the positive on this one. Okay, five stars. Okay, yeah, I, okay. I like it better than the first. Yeah, I thought you got, you guys were a little hesitant on the unknown pleasures, and I thought maybe by the um, when we got this one, it would uh, you'd feel like it was a little bit of an elevation from the the stilted I elevation. Mean, yeah. It's a it's a little well, I got tw- I got 24 hours in my cans right now and this is just one of the best songs ever written so Yeah. <sighs> this yeah. yeah, this record is a towering masterpiece. Um you got to listen to it. Listen to this record while smoking cigarettes in a graveyard. Yeah, cloves. And definitely. make sure make sure you're in an okay oh, headspace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Call call your friends. Call your friends seriously. You. Call your friends. Call your friends. All right, next time we'll be talking about Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden. All right, thanks, y'all. Procession moves on, the shouting is over. Raised to the glory of loved ones now gone. Talking aloud as they sit round their tables. Scattering Flowers washed down by the rain Stood by the gate at the foot of the garden